Welcome to Annaswick Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. That was fantastic. Okay, let's get into the word. <laughs> um, I think one of the things, you know, even what Paul was uh, bringing to the table, what Shannon was bringing to the table ministry-wise, God delights to move in your life. Uh, and I believe, you know, that with the power of God comes shift, and with the power of God comes change and transformation. But I think sometimes we see too much in the natural and not enough in the supernatural. And there's a great scripture that I want to begin this message by as we think about revival happening in me, because that's where it's got to start. But for you to experience revival, which you can but right now, by the way, we're not, too often I think it's a bit of a loaded term, revival, when we kind of think that revival's got to be full, full uh, buildings and large crowds. No, revival can happen in you. Revival can happen now. Yes, it's going to take a yielding. Yes, it's going to take a surrendering. But you've got to know what you're surrendering to, right? And you've got to know what you're actually giving up. And I think that ultimately God wants to speak to you and he wants to reveal to you those things that need, that, that needed to, need to be given up for to be, and, and for you to be yielding to him in even a greater way. And I think God already speaks. I, th- I think God's speaking. And I, think, I wonder if it's more that we just aren't listening more than him speaking because he speaks. Uh, the Bible, right through the Bible, it says that we have deaf ears. You know, we're not hearing. We're not listening. God is speaking, and he wants to speak to you, and he's speaking to you now. And he's speaking love, and he's speaking the good things about you. He's speaking about how much he loves you, how much he dotes over you. He's speaking about what he wants to do through you. He's speaking about what he has available for you. He's speaking these things, and we have to get into a place where we can have our eyes open to be able to see beyond just the natural realm. Amen? So let's have a look at the scripture. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6 and starts at verse 8. And I think we've got it on the screen. Well done, McLaren. That's awesome. Now, the king of Aram, or king of Syria, was at war with Israel. Bit of a war going on at the moment with Israel and Palestine. Uh, And uh, so, you know, I've always kind of had to experience war for some reason. But after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Well, the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel. He said, beware of passing that particular place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So here's the king of Syria, the the Aramean king, uh, trying to uh, defeat the Israelites. And every place that he went to, the king of Israel already had a heads up. Elisha was constantly telling the king the places that he was going to. And Elisha, by the way, was not uh, with the Arameans. He was with the Israelites. He was a prophet for the Israelites. So 
it's interesting that he would know what was going on. In fact, verse 12, um, no, sorry, verse 11, because of what Elisha was doing, it enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Who's telling the king of Israel? And none of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers, but it's Elisha. The prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your own bedroom. <laughs> Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. It's funny, eh, that he would think to do that, like when, it, when he already knows Elisha's going to get a heads up anyway. <laughs> hey, I mean, how dumb can you be? But anyway, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Uh, now, this is the cream of the crop, right? The king, of, the king of Syria has sent the cream of the crop just for one man who hears God's voice. Incredible. When the servant of the man of God, verse 15, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So this is Elisha's servant. Oh no, my Lord, he's saying to Elisha, what shall we do? Great question. Right? What are we going to do now? And he's filled with fear. The servant is filled with fear because all he's only seeing is the natural circumstances and he's missing out on the bigger picture. He can't yet see what's in the dark. And because of that, he makes wrong conclusions. Fear will do that to you. It will always bring us to a wrong conclusion because it is, or because you may have, inferior information. So Elisha responds, famous scripture. You know, uh, last year, 2020, uh, the enemy must have got a bit of a heads up. I think God was wanting to release faith, so the enemy tried to get in before the God and released fear. And I believe that uh, often when the enemy is opposing you, God is wanting to do something amazing in your life. The greater the opposition, the greater the work God wants to do. And when, when, you, when you're sensing fear in the world, fear in the nation, God is wanting to release faith, right? So we have a choice to make as Christians. We either cower to the fear of the enemy or we actually bend the knee, right? Submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to God in such a way where he allows faith to rise up in our life that we don't have to fear, we have faith. So Christians should not be conspirators or not be under the conspiracy, right? But on top of any conspiracy, even if there is a conspiracy, Christians should be on top of it, no fear. Faith. That's the way God wants it. Fear will, will cripple you, all right? But God is releasing faith. 2021, God is releasing faith. And we've realized, we've realized we can get through this. It may have shaken us, 2020 I'm talking about, but there is a new expectation, a greater level of faith, and a new hope. True? We are stepping into a different dimension. That's God's promise for us. Do not fear. Why shouldn't we fear? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered to the servant. Those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. That's what he said, famous verse. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. On our side are more. If God be for you, then who can be against you? 
right? Come on, this is scripture. So Elisha is going to pray because he feels his servant's frustration that he is only uh, taking Elisha's word that everything's going to be okay. So Elisha wanted him to see what he saw. So Elisha prays. He says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And he prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened to be able to see what he saw. He went from the natural to the spiritual. And you and I, we have natural eyes. You can poke it if you like. Probably find it's a bit painful, but these are your natural eyes. But as Christians, we also have spiritual eyes. So we live in a natural world, but we also there's a spiritual dynamic to us. In the book of Revelation, it says, He who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. All right, so not just spiritual eyes, but also spiritual ears. We have natural ears to hear what is going on in our world, what is going on around our circumstances. We have natural ears to hear the news, but we have spiritual ears to hear God's news. And God's news far better than any other news that we know, particularly this world's news, that's for sure, right? Ephesians 1.17, I pray, Paul said, that the eyes of understanding, your eyes, may be, may, may be uh, enlightened. He's talking about spiritual eyes. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And what did he see? The servant saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. And he begins to see something that he had never seen. He saw horses and chariots in the natural, but there were far more horses and chariots, and there were horses and chariots of fire in the supernatural. And as he began to see that, instantly his fear was gone. And you and I need to know what it is to step up into that level of understanding that everything's gonna be okay, absolutely. But it's not just hearsay, it's actually, Lord, would you open our eyes today to be able to see what we need to see? Because I can't live in fear anymore, I want faith, and I need faith to carry out my life uh, as, as a Christian. Good prayer, eh? The servant saw the other world. The servant saw the superior world all around Elisha the spiritual world that God created our world from. I'll say that again. The spiritual world that God created our world from. And he saw a vast army of fierce warriors, angels all around Elijah. Psalm 37 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, who worship him. You and I have an army of angels who look after us an army of angels who protect us. When he saw how things really were, his fear left him. What is fear? What is fear? When we talk about fear, what is it? Any ideas? Very good, Paul. False evidence appearing real. So a good acronym for the word fear. Fear is making the wrong conclusion because we are looking at the wrong information or incomplete information. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was with my uh, personal trainer at the gym, James Cooper, some of you know James, and uh, he trains me a couple of days a week because I need it, because I'm 56, and I want to be keeping on going till I'm 120, and, so, and still you know, doing this. But anyway, as long as I've got everything together, though, I, like, you know, what's the point of being 120 and, you know, 
bit of a veggie kind of thing, you know. Anyway, let's move on. So I was with my personal trainer, and we had lunch afterwards. In the afternoon, I went to the bathroom, and uh, it looked like I was peeing blood. And I thought, oh no, I'm dying. It's all over Red Rover. That lasted for about 30 seconds, and I got this instant voice. It was the beetroot that you had in your salad (laughs) at lunchtime. So instant relief. And, uh, and carried on, carried on my, my, my life. Anyone ever noticed that when you eat beetroot? Like seriously, the salad was awesome. It was right next to the uh, gym, the city fit, the cafe. They have this salad there, it's about 10 bucks or whatever. And it is so loaded with beetroot, it's not funny. But I like beetroot, so I was happy to eat it. Anyway, uh, I, saw my, I saw James again, my PT, on Friday, and I was working out, and. I said to him, hey, James, um, funny story. You know, after the lunch on Tuesday, I um, thought I was going to die because, you know, I was, looked like I was peeing blood. And uh, fortunately, you know, it was the beetroot. And he goes, oh. Oh. And, like, he had this light bulb moment. <laughs> like, he, sh- he said, shivers, I-, I-, I went to A&E. <laughs> <laughs> I went to A and E. I could because um, in his history uh, would say that if he was peeing blood, that there would be like kidney stones forming or something like that. So he goes to A and E, does a urine sample, and the doctor who's there at the time uh, looks at it and says, "Hey, uh, yeah, it looks like it's pretty bad, and um, it looks like you got a kidney stone coming on, and all that." Because he didn't test it; he just went on James's history, right? Interesting, interesting thought. And, and, and so, uh, man, so he, like, I, I had 30 seconds of worry, but he had four days. <laughs> so he'd got blood tests taken, and he had booked in to see one of our doctors, Dr. Uh, Robert Stubbs, uh, on, on the Monday. So this is on the Friday, and he was, he was booked in to see the doctor on the Monday to get the, the results of the blood test. Uh, of which, when he heard about it on Friday, he cancelled the doctor's appointment, of course, but man, I would love to have, I should have rung Robert and said, hey, look, let's have him on for a bit longer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So, what's the thought of that? Fear, what is fear? False evidence appearing real. Fear is making that wrong conclusion because we are looking at the wrong information or incomplete information. I think a lot of us, we still live in fear. We're looking at the world around us and we can live in fear. We look at what's going on in our world and we, and we wonder what is going on and, uh, and we can live in fear or we can have faith and believe that God's got it all under control. Anyone believe God's in control? Elisha's servant was afraid because he only saw one portal. He only saw one dimension. He saw the world where the Syrian army had come to capture him. He did not see the world where the angels of God were all around him. And there are angels right around you. Right now, there are angels around you. And they are protecting you. Uh, Friday was definitely a good day for James when he realized what it was. His fear went. And that's what God does for us through the Holy Spirit. 
God shows us the revelation of truth and the truth sets us free from the deception of fear. We fear because we believe something that is not true. God helps us to be free by his word and his spirit so that we can walk in the freedom that is ours, our inheritance as children of God. So Elijah prays to God. This is the rest of the story. It's cool. It's kind of cool. Listen to this. Verse 18. As the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, Lord, strike this army with blindness. Interesting, eh? The whole story is about seeing and the enemy is suddenly struck with blindness. That's what God wants to do. He wants you to see and he wants the enemy to be blinded. Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Now look what happens. Uh, Elisha goes to them and he says, this is not the road and this is not the city and I'm not the chap that you're looking for. Follow me though and I will lead you to the man that you are looking for. And so he led them into Samaria and when they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, now open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. They had actually walked into their enemy's camp. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Elisha, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? And what does Elisha ask? He says, nah, don't kill them. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. Can you believe that? An army about to kill, sent the cream of the crop to go to Elisha to kill him, to capture him, to kill him. And yet here's Elisha saying, nah, feed them. What is up with that? So he prepared a great feast, verse 23. He prepared a great feast of beetroot for them. <laughs> and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. They never again attacked Israel while the Syrian king lived. Why? Another good question. Why? Why do you think it was? Showed kindness. Showed kindness. What does Scripture say about that? Yeah. Well, what does the Bible say? Love your enemies. Pretty hard to do, though, isn't it? Look, the reason why is because the greatest victory is when you turn an enemy into a friend. The greatest victory in your life is when you turn an enemy into a friend. That is a kingdom principle. Loving people who hate you, blessing people who curse you, forgiving people that wound you, because we best demonstrate the kingdom when we walk in love. In this, in this season, we have such an opportunity to show a better way, the God way, the love way, the Jesus way, by treating people with honor and respect and love, even with those who disagree with us, even when they are treating us unfairly. Ask God to heal them. Ask God to love, to, to, to bless them, just like Elisha did here with the Syrian army. Feed them. The story begins with Elisha having a superior understanding of things from a different world, right? 
outside of the limitations of the natural senses, beyond human intellectual reason of deduction and conclusion. He has supernatural revelation from God about a trap that the enemy was setting against him. That's called divine protection. And that's what you can have. And that's what you can have, do have. This is an Old Testament story. And in the New Testament, all of us, every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within us. Which means, firstly, divine protection is available to every single one of us through the belief and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always seek to warn us of the strategies and the plots and the plans the enemy is wanting to throw at us. You got a heads up, people. Holy Spirit knows what the, what the devil's wanting to do. The Holy Spirit knows what he's trying to attack you, wanting, wanting to bring to you, to attack you, to keep you down. The Holy Spirit wants to let you know. He wants to. You, he wants to foil the plot of the enemy against your life. So whatever the devil is doing, God is always one step ahead of him. God never loses and is never outmaneuvered by the enemy. And even when it looks like things are too tough, when it looks hopeless, it never is. When it looks bad, God will turn it for good. When it looks like the devil is winning, he never is. It's just a mirage. God is active in history. He's active in this moment. He's active right now. And he's guiding you. And he's protecting you. And we need that today. We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He's always speaking. The problem is, are we listening? The Holy Spirit wants to whisper to you, hey, don't go there. Hey, don't marry that person. Hey, don't do business with that person. Hey, don't go that way. Go this way. I was walking in town. My wife and I were walking in town. It was dark uh, just a few weeks ago. And I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, just be careful around the corner. And um, it's, we were just walking. And, and I just what I did was I kind of felt to keep Viv talking, which she's pretty good at doing. And so, because uh, I kind of felt there was going to be something around the corner that, we, that she didn't need to see and I didn't need to see. And as I walked around the corner, there was something pretty dark going on. And, uh, and we just kept on talking and I just kept on, so I uh, kept on covering her from what was going on. And uh, anyway, I said to her the next day what, you know, what had happened. But it's interesting that I felt something. It doesn't, you don't have to worry about what it was, but I felt something a little bit evil. I felt an evil presence. And I thought, okay, I've just got to be on my guard here. And so I think the Holy, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and that's what he does do. And I'm pretty sure you would have testimonies as well, right? Holy Spirit will protect you. He'll nudge you. He'll show you, hey, you are with the wrong person. Hey, you need to do this. You need to go there. You need to, you need to divert this way, et cetera, et cetera. You're, hey, you're in the wrong place. Get into the right place. The Holy Spirit will always guide us that way. Right? It is highly possible that at some point in time you may have been diverted from a nasty injury or death because of the Holy Spirit protecting you, protecting your life. It is highly possible. 
God kept telling Elisha what the king of Syria was plotting against Israel. Oh my gosh, this prophet knows what I'm thinking even in my bedroom. The Israelites were kept from trouble by the exposing of the plots of the enemy. The Holy Spirit will protect you. The only trouble I've gotten into in life is when I have ignored His voice, when I've ignored that voice. There are two voices in my life that I need to listen to, the Holy Spirit and my wife. Why? Because they're always right. God will alert you to the wrong people coming into your kid's world, the wrong people coming into your spouse's world. He will alert you and protect you. That's a promise from God. And this is important because, well, just because someone says the right thing doesn't mean they are functioning in the right spirit. Someone can sound so right, but there's something that's just so wrong. And you feel this agitation. Let me encourage you, that's the Holy Spirit warning you. Not only does the Holy Spirit protect, but the second thing is the Holy Spirit wants to give you boldness, courage, to be fearless. Elisha is forewarning Israel. The enemy hates it, gangs up against Elisha. The enemy will often try to scare you away from making progress through intimidation, retaliation, or something to try and disrupt your life. Let me finish off with this little wee thought. A few years ago, uh, as the senior pastor, I was preaching and doing a lot of, um, of that kind of thing and trying to, uh, you know, build a great church and still trying to build a great church, churches. But I went through about six months of really hating what I was doing. I'd be preaching and I just felt like rubbish. I felt like no one wanted to listen. I felt that, you know, what have I got to offer? Um, there wasn't really much going on in my own life at the time. So I had an incredible attack going on in my world. And uh, I remember about, after about six months of, of, of every Sunday just getting up and preaching and I don't think I was doing too badly. People were commenting on, still on how good the messages were and all that. But deep inside there was something going on in me and I didn't know what it was. I went to a, uh, a, a one day seminar and, and a pastor from England was there and, and we had question and answer time and I said, oh, I just put up my hand and I was pretty honest in front of a whole crowd of people. It was kind of embarrassing but sometimes you don't get the breakthrough until you're embarrassed. And I said, hey, look, this is how I'm feeling. I, I don't really get it. I don't understand why. I can't recognize it. I don't know what it is. Um, I just don't feel like I want to do this anymore. I just want to quit. And I just kind of feel like nobody wants to listen and, and all of that, blah, 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 you know. And he said to me, he said, Brent, uh, there's he said, the same thing has happened to me and probably the same things happened to a lot of pastors. Some have overcome it, some haven't, some, some haven't, and they have lived. He said that it's a spirit of intimidation. The enemy has come around your life, and he's brought a spirit of intimidation around your life that is, you know, really limiting and blocking your effectiveness. And I said, okay, well, awesome to 
recognize it, if that's what it is, or how do I, how do I deal with it? And really, ultimately, it was in line with this message this morning, say so you've got to see a different world. Because sometimes when you're, you know, you're here and you're in this room and you're, you're, you're doing all the right things, sometimes they can, the, the enemy will come at you because you're about to receive your greatest breakthrough, right? And so it's not a time to quit. It's a time to actually understand what it is and to break through it. I said, well, okay, well, how, do we, how do I break through it? What's the answer? And he said, you have to get to a place of understanding that the Word of God is your basis of truth, not your feelings. Because feelings will always create fear. And fear will always create a limited approach and a limited life in Christ. So when you are working on a message, this is, this is what was personal for me, uh, the personal challenge was when you are working on a message, when you are praying, when you are going to church even to, to preach, you need to begin to confess out the things that you believe are true about the Word of God, things about who you are. How does God, who does God say you are? What is it that you have come to accomplish? What is your purpose? What's God say about the purpose that, that is on your life? And so I had to really uh, search some of the Scriptures, find some of those things that really spoke that way, and I began to confess them out. So I'd be driving along to church, you know, Sunday morning or whatever, and I'd start confessing it out. I'm a child of God. God, this message is your message. God, I thank you that, that I don't have to come under a spirit of intimidation. I, can, I, I come under your Holy Spirit of power. And I would confess and I'd speak it out and speak it out. Within three weeks, that spirit of intimidation had been broken off my life and I've never, ever had that problem again. And, uh, and, and I'm sharing that illustration to finish off with because I've got so much more to share. But if I finish off with that, it gives you some idea of some of the things that maybe even the enemy's doing around your life. It might not necessarily just be intimidation. It might be retaliate, retaliation. You might... He might feel like, look, you're taking one step forward and the things of the kingdom of God, He wants to give, take you one step backward. He wants to, He's retaliating. Don't let Him. Well, how do I not let Him? Well, I, you yield to the Holy Spirit, recognize what's going on and start to confess the Word of God. Either the Word of God is truth or it's not. Is it a lie? Or is it true? I've been a Christian since I was four years old. I have to tell you this. The Word of God is true. It is the Word of God. It is true. Anything that you believe in that isn't according to the Word of God, it's shaky. The Bible says don't build your, build your house on a sand, on the sand. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on Jesus. Build your house on the Holy Spirit. Build your house on the Word of God. Paul said this, having stood, stand. You know, keep standing. Keep standing. Don't give up. Pray that your eyes be open to be able to see beyond 
what's going on in the natural. And if there's any fear in this room right now, we just break that fear in Jesus' name. Speaking over your life right now, we break the fear that's been, that you've had, the fear of the future, the fear of the unknown, the fear uh, that of the enemy, thinking that you, you're gonna get taken out. The, the enemy wants to come and begin to speak lies into your world and say, it's all gonna be bad from here on. No, it's not. It's gonna be good and it's gonna be better. The best is yet to come, people. The best is yet to come. This place is gonna be full, full of people wanting to search for God. People wanting to know the truth and this is the truth. And you can have eyes that go beyond the natural eyes, the spiritual eyes, to see that actually God does have a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. He's got something going on and it's cooking in you and you know it and you know the Holy Spirit has been speaking. So Father, I pray this morning you'd open our eyes and you'd open our ears. Open our ears to hear you. Open our eyes to see you. God is not hidden. God does not want to hide from you. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He says, when you call on me, Jeremiah 3.33, when you call on me, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. That's the God I know. That's the God who's available to every single one of you right now. Great, greater things, mightier things, a greater power, a great anointing on your life, a greater shift coming your way, a greater knowing that there is more yet in store, a knowing of that, not just kind of like hoping for it, but actually knowing. I know, I am persuaded, I believe, I know that their best is yet still to come. So I'm walking in it. I'm believing the Word of God. I'm standing on the truth of God's Word. So Father, I pray right now, come on, what do you need to believe for this morning? What is it that God's been talking to you about that you know that you've kind of been fighting it because you feel like the world's been pulling you this way and that way and fear has come in. Right now, the truth of God's Word begins to shine in the darkness. God already knows what's going on in the dark. And He can bring light and He can begin to answer you, begin to reveal to you things that, you, that need to be revealed. Fear in the name of Jesus. I command you to be gone. I break fear off your life. That spiritual dynamic, fear. We break that fear off your life in the name of Jesus. It has no more part in you. I just pray, you know, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. And we pray the love of God. I'm sensing the love of God here in this place right now. You just lift your hands just a little, little bit. Just receive His love. Let the fear dispel. Let the fear, fear break off your life. I receive your love for me, God. Come on, just begin to pray. God, I, I ask for your love, not fear. I don't want fear. I ask for your love. I ask for your love, Lord. Let your pure love come and fill me and anoint me. Let me know. Let me hear your voice. Let me hear. Let me see you. Let me see you. Let me know that you're with me. Show me the great and mighty things that are still yet to come. Let Him show you your family coming into the kingdom who aren't there yet. 
your friends coming into the kingdom. Let Him show you what the kingdom looks like. Let Him show you what heaven looks like. Let Him show you what it is that He's purposed you for. Let Him show you what it is that He's called you to. Let Him show you. Get into those moments, get into those places. Even right now, the vision and dream of God that can be released upon your life that takes you beyond the limitations, the frailty of our humanity to understanding that we are more than human. We are superhuman because we have the supernatural and we walk in the supernatural and there are supernatural things God wants to do in your life. God wants to bring vision to those of you in business, to those of you in your workplace. God wants to bring vision to those of you who are struggling struggling to cope in your own life. God wants to bring vision again to say, hey, I'm with you. If I'm with you, nothing's impossible. If I'm with you, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. If I'm in you, if I'm with you, nothing, there is nothing you cannot do. If I am with you, God says, even though you fall, you will not be cast down for the Lord upholds you with His hand. It's God's purpose, that's God's Word, it's God's truth for your life. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Every eye closed, every head bowed right now. It's a moment of fresh surrender, a moment of yielding, yielding your fears, yielding and surrendering the things that you have carried for so long, bringing it to the cross. Imagine just in your own mind's eye, the cross in front of you. You're walking to the cross, you're carrying such a heavy backpack, so heavy, such, so much burden, so much sadness, so much grief, so much sorrow, so much brokenness, so much sickness. And you're bringing it to the foot of the cross. And in this moment right now, you're taking off that pack and you're leaving it. As you kneel at the foot of the cross, you're, you're leaving that pack, that burden, and you're walking away free. The power of the cross. Cast your cares upon me, Jesus said. Cast your burdens upon me because I care for you. In other words, He can take it. You don't have to carry it anymore freedom comes where you felt so bound up so much in bondage to the things of the past when people have looked at your history they've told you about your history by the way they tell you about it and they say yeah because of this because of that because of what's happened because of what you've done yeah of course you, you know it's gonna, this is going to be the problem but no you're free you don't have to live with that problem you can be free don't let your history dictate your future don't let your past You've got to let it go. The Bible says when we come to Jesus, we become new creations, a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And I'm going to pray a prayer very, very soon. It's a prayer of yielding. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer again asking Jesus to fully take my life. It might be for you this morning. 
prayer that you can agree with. Prayer that takes you beyond yesterday into a whole new tomorrow. And it just simply goes like this. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I yield to you again. I surrender afresh to you in a new way. I see myself, Jesus, at the foot of the cross and I take off all those burdens that I've been carrying and I place them before you, Jesus. And I thank you that, yes, I've been walking one way to the cross, but I know I can do a complete 180 degrees, walk away from the cross to a resurrected life, the resurrection same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same resurrection power that's available for you today. And that's repentance. I'm at the cross. I take off my burden in repentance, in yielding again to Him, surrendering afresh to Him. And I walk with a resurrected life, a new life. Old things pass away. All things become new. So Father, May that be true today for many of us here this morning that we really truly would surrender and allow you to build faith in us that conquers fear in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. What do you reckon? How are you feeling? You all right? power of God displayed in your life will take you beyond what you've ever known before. The power of God worked out in your life will lead you into the greatest blessing and favour that you have never known before. As you yield, continue to yield to Him every day, yield to Him every day, fresh surrender to Him. Let Him be your Lord. Too many of us, we have Him as Saviour. We don't have Him as Lord. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to lead you. True? Amen? Yeah, come on, give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.